You guys are in for a treat this week. We are talking about the five emotions that are actually secret triggers that you need to set a boundary. Some of this may sound normal to you. It may be obvious. Some of this is probably going to surprise you. So we're going to dive into the five emotions that signal that you need to set a boundary in your life to live a happier, more authentic life. Let's get to the show. Hey there, welcome to Bold Boundaries with me, Diana Terry. I'm a boundaries coach, mother, wife, entrepreneur, and founder of Unlearning University, a space dedicated to unlearning the toxic behaviors, stereotypes, and systems that hold you back from living a truly happy life. So for me, understanding and setting boundaries has literally changed my life. I went from being overworked, overwhelmed and unhappy to balanced and thriving simply by learning how and when to set healthy boundaries. And now I'm sharing everything I've learned with you here to help you set boundaries and live a happier, more authentic life. Let's start the conversation. So this week we are talking about five emotions that are actually secret indicators that a boundary needs to be put in place. Um, Some of these might seem a little obvious. Some of them are probably going to be surprising to you because you would think that that emotion maybe indicated something else. So we're going to just dive right in. Um, So the first emotion that indicates that a boundary is needed is resentment. So Obviously, one of my favorite people to go to for emotion work and things like this is Brene Brown. She's incredibly intelligent. She speaks in a way that makes people understand things on a deeper level. So her book, Atlas of the Heart, was phenomenal. And it was a deep dive into emotions and what they mean and what they actually are. Um, So she says that resentment is the feeling of frustration, judgment, judgment, anger, the better than, or a hidden envy related to perceived unfairness or injustice. And she goes into on her podcast and on her interviews, she goes into this, this envy factor of what resentment really is. Um, And so she gives an example of like, oh, well, I'm working harder than anyone else. Therefore, you resent them. It's not that you're upset at how hard you're working. It's that you are envious of how much easier their work life seems to be, or you are envious of the balance that they have and you want that for yourself. So the solution really to resentment is to set a healthy boundary around your own way you show up in whatever situation it is. So if it's work, maybe you're overworking, but you're not actually being productive. Maybe you're being busy, but not productive. So maybe finding a way to organize your time in which you get more done in less amount of time would give you that freedom that you're envious that you can see that your coworkers have. Um, And the thing that Brene says to ask is, what do you need that you're afraid to ask for? What is it that you're lacking or missing or craving that you're afraid to speak up and say, hey, I really need this. I mean, in work, sometimes that can be support. Say, hey, 
you know, I've been taking on the duties from this other role since this person left and I need to delegate some of this in order to get my job done. Maybe um, another example is maybe you're resentful of your partner. Say your partner is is going on a solo backpacking trip with some friends or themselves. And it's not that you don't want them to go on that trip. It's that when you start to feel resentful for that, when you're when you're sitting there going, yeah, of course I said yes, I want you to be happy. I want you to go have your time to yourself. But then secretly you're resentful of them for going. If you take a step back and look deeper into that, is it possible that you're wishing that you had that freedom of time, that you had that autonomy with your schedule, that you had that ability to say, hey, I'm going to take myself away from the family and go invest in myself. So the solution is to create that for yourself. Take a weekend away and clearly communicate with your partner what that needs to look like. So most of my audience here is women, uh, many of which are mothers. And taking time away from our kids is a really difficult thing to do because society tells us that we are supposed to be 100% dedicated to our children, that we are supposed to always be there for them. You can still be 100% dedicated to your children and invest in yourself at the same time because investing in yourself gives them the example of what it looks like to recharge, to be whole, to balance your life in a way that doesn't lose your humanness and what you were before you were a mother for them. And when I say clearly communicate with your partner what that means, if I take a trip away from my kids and I get 17 calls a day of, oh, well, where's the cereal they like? I can't find the hat. Where are the socks? That's not a trip away. That's not time off. That's not giving you what you need, giving you what that resentment is telling you you're missing. So when I say clearly communicate to your partner, say say you decide to take a one night over overnight in a hotel somewhere driving distance close by. So you're close by if anything happens. I would say to my partner, okay, I'm going out of town for these two days. I will see you in the morning. I will check in once at night. I'll call you guys, say hi, say goodnight to the kids. And then I won't call you and I won't, you know, be communicating with you until I get back the next day around four. And here's an emergency contact, so I may not be attached to my phone. If you need to get a hold of me, I'll be at the hotel. Here's the number. And if the if your partner has questions, say, listen, you know, show them the things they don't know. Here's the food they like. I suggest you plan dinner. I suggest you do this. Help them set them up for success so that you can get the most out of it. And then you take your trip and you hold yourself to the boundaries that you've set for your partner. You don't pick up the phone when they inevitably call. (laughs) You say, you know, and then you check in at five o'clock around dinner time and and they go, well, I called you. And you say, yes, I understand. But do you remember the conversation we had where I said that I would be detaching and investing in myself and did everything figure out? Sans an actual emergency happening, you can do this. Okay. And one of the things that is important about resentment is that it's a... Not a wake-up call. I don't want to use that term. But it's like um, it's like the universe or nature trying to give you an, an out. Uh, hey, by the way, it looks like things are getting hard. We're, we're giving you this uncomfortable feeling of resentment because we want to show you what you're lacking, what you're missing, 
And then when you have that realization, when you take the time to sit back and observe that resentment, whether it's your partner or a work thing or a friend, sit back and observe that resentment and be go and say to yourself, what am I, what am I missing? What am I resentful of? What am I envious of? What is this resentment showing me? And then make a plan to go fill that for yourself. So that's the first one. Number one is resentment. The second one is overwhelm. So um, the Cambridge English Dictionary says overwhelm, it is too much or almost too much for you to manage when something is too much or almost too much for you to manage. So what we're going to be talking about here today is the almost part. Because if something's already too much to manage, you've already cracked. You're already over the edge. You are yelling at your partner. You're yelling at the kids. You drop the ball at work or you, you know, go the other side of it and you just shut down. You shut down. You stop talking. You stop communicating. You sit down in front of the TV and you're going to zone out and eat shitty food and, and because you've cracked because you've too overwhelmed. So when we get to this almost part... That's the indicator. That's our that's our signal that we need to set a boundary so that we don't get to the it's already too much part. So when it's almost too much, I want you to stop. I want you to stop everything. If you're in the middle of pickup, you, I, stop everything. Put your phone down. Tell your partner or someone to take the kids for five minutes. Stop everything. Give yourself space, whether it's a quick walk outside or you just go in the backyard or, or you go in your closet and hide from everybody, I want you to just stop. And then I want you to take one thing off your plate. Immediately take one thing off your plate that is not actually vital to your survival. Take it off your plate. Maybe it's showing up to um, a fundraiser that night for the school. And you say, you know what, this is no longer in my range of what I can do. So I, I can't go to that tonight. Sorry. So take the one thing off your plate, or better yet, ask for help taping, taking something off your plate, whether you have supportive parents or your kids are old enough to help. Um, take something off your plate immediately. And then when that space is filled, or when that space is empty, because you no longer have to fill it, I want you to breathe in that space. The thing about setting boundaries is that what it does is it creates space that was normally taken up by whatever needed a boundary. So when we set the boundary, whether it's time or a person or a thing or work or whatever, we now create space within ourselves. And then the best part is we get to choose what to put in that space. We get to choose to put something positive in that space, something that's helpful, something that's kind, whatever it is. We've created space in ourselves and we get to choose what to put in there. So now you've, you've taken a step back and you've taken something off your plate. I want you to look at everything on your to-do list. We're going to set a boundary with your to-do list. So make a list of all your responsibilities. Make a list of everything you have to do, whether it's, so for me, my list carries over into work because I'm an entrepreneur. I have to, my work list is, there's no like, leave it at the office and someone else will take care of it if I'm overwhelmed. (laughs) It's just me. So, um, And chances are when you sit down and do this, it's going to be a pretty long fucking list because we live in a society that encourages overproduction, overstimulation, over everything. So I want you to remove or delegate everything you can from that list. You've written down everything that you have to do. And that's that's a big step in itself. Just getting it out of your head and onto physical paper. I do this with my wife sometimes. 
she she'll get overwhelmed with anxiety. And I go, how did how did we get here? I'm like, I we're just I mean, the kids are home from school, everything. I don't know how we got here. And in her head, she has a list a mile long of all the things that need to be done in the house, all the things, the grocery shopping, the whatever. But that list is just in her head. So I can't take anything off that list because I don't know that I don't know what's on the list because it's in her head. So get it down on paper, write down everything you can, everything you would want to do. And then I want you to remove or delegate anything that is not necessary. Can someone else pick up the kids for you? Can your partner do the grocery shopping this week? Um, can the kids help with chores? On my days that I get overwhelmed, normally I, I do the dishes after dinner or my wife will do the dishes. On the days that I get overwhelmed or she's at work, I say, you know what, kids, I need you to go into the kitchen and do the dishes today. I really need that support today because I have other things I have to get done. Or can you cancel any plans that you can't fully commit to? So this one, I love. I love to cancel plans when I can't show up fully. And I've never had someone get mad at me for it. So if I, if I have like, for instance, if I have a coffee date planned with a friend this week and these things start to get put on my list that I, that I do have to get done, they're time sensitive or they're important or whatever. I have called a friend and said, listen, this week got a little, a little crazy, a little fast. I'd love to reschedule to next week when I can be there and be fully present and give you all of me for that hour. Never once have I had a friend say, how dare you? Most of your friends, if they're people in your circle, they understand that you're being respectful of their time too, because how, how disappointing for them to show up to put coffee and you're answering a phone call or sending a quick email because it just came up. Your friends and your family and those people in your life, they want you to be whole too. So setting that boundary can really, really help. So now you've written your list down, you've removed or delegated anything you possibly could, and then you prioritize. And here's an important thing about prioritization. There can only be one priority. There can't be three priorities or five priorities or 10 priorities. There's one priority. That's, that's the way that it works. A priority means more important than another thing. So you can't have two things at the top because one will be more important. So I want you to prioritize your list. Get from the top down of the one thing that absolutely fucking has to happen. And, and you can pit these two things together as you're making your list. Okay, I need to do laundry and I need to do dishes. Well, I have to do laundry because I have to wear this outfit and the kids need their soccer uniforms tomorrow. And I have enough dish, clean dishes to make breakfast in the morning. So maybe I can do all the dishes after breakfast tomorrow. I'm going to do the laundry tonight or right now or whatever. That's, you know, just a small example. Um, and then this has been really life altering for me is that I have, I have shifted my mindset because I am a classic overworker, um, severe, I was a severe workaholic, I've gotten better, but obviously still need more work, everyone does. Um, but for me, I started saying, okay, today success looks like, and then I insert one thing, just one thing, that if I do that one thing, then today is successful. If I get that one thing done, then today is successful and everything else I do is a bonus. Because I am the type of person where I make a list of 30 things to do that day. And if I only do 28 of them, I used to consider myself a failure. How could I not fucking get those last two things done? And I would beat myself up and say these horrible things to myself of like, and never once celebrating the 28 things that I did get done. There was no grace in my schedule for myself. So I've learned to do that by saying today's success looks like one thing. 
So for me, sometimes it's success looks like recording a podcast episode or success looks like showing up for my daughter's award ceremony or success looks like studying with my son for his test tomorrow. If I do that one thing, then my whole day has been successful. That's it. And then everything else I do is a bonus. I just get to celebrate myself for every other thing I do. Sometimes success is today I will shower. If you are in a bout of depression or going through a really hard time, sometimes today success looks like taking a shower. And that is fucking beautiful. That is amazing. And I'm proud of you. And sometimes it means today success looks like doing something really big. Either way, you have one thing to get done today and you can do that one thing. So I want you to take that and write it down on a post-it note or make it the background of your phone or whatever you have to do to keep it forward in your face for that day until it gets done. And then the other key is do that thing first if you can, schedule permitting, but do that thing first, do that hard thing first so that your success is checked off at the beginning of the day. And then every time you make it to an appointment on time, or you filled the car up with gas, or you cleaned the living room, or you made a beautiful dinner, or whatever it may be, those things are all just bonuses. They are more celebration, more beautiful things that you have done. So remember that. I want you to, when you are feeling overwhelmed, when it is almost too much, stop, take a breath, take one thing off your list, now take that extra space, write down your to-do list, write down everything you need to get done, delegate or remove anything you can, and then prioritize until you have that one thing. And then I want you to, whether you look in the mirror, take a Mel Robbins cue of looking in the mirror and talking to yourself and say, today success looks like, insert that one item. Okay. So I want you to try that. Please let me know how that goes for you. All right. The third emotion that can teach us that we need boundaries is when you are consistently angry about something. So how can anger symbolize the need for boundaries? Listen, if someone has too much access to you, it can make you feel angry. If you have not taught someone how to treat you, it can make you feel angry because you're constantly being challenged or pushed. Or you can be angry with yourself. If you have that internal voice that's like, I can't believe you did that. You're so stupid. I can't believe you made that mistake. You can be angry with yourself. Angry is Anger is related to our fight, flight, or freeze, sympathetic nervous system. So um, if someone has too much access to you and you're feeling angry because of that, let's put a boundary there. Be clear when making plans with someone. Say, you know, if someone always stays their welcome, over their welcome, or they expect you to give so much of your time that you don't necessarily have to give. When you're making plans, a simple thing you can do is say, oh, I can be there from two to four. And that way, when you leave at four or when you ask them to leave at four, say, hey, it's four o'clock. I really got to get on to the next thing in my day. Thanks so much for coming over. It's not a surprise. And you've already set the expectation that that's what it is. And when you hold yourself to that expectation, you're honoring yourself. And that's a beautiful thing. If you're uncomfortable with them in your home and don't feel like you can get them to leave, make plans for being in public. Let's grab lunch from 12 to 2. Something like that. Be very clear. Um... And, and you can very honestly say like, hey, I have a busy week ahead of me, so um, 
give them a heads up. Maybe if they overly expect you to communicate, say, I'm not, I have a busy week ahead of me. I'm not going to be answering too many of my messages. So I'll get back to you as soon as I can and give you the proper attention. Um, if you have not taught someone how to treat you and you're constantly angry about it, understand that, um, you can change that. It's not stuck in stone. More often than not, if, if we're angry about the way someone's treating us, it's because we've allowed it to happen in the past. And so we need to set a new boundary. Sometimes this can happen five, 10 years in friendships, and that can be really difficult. And I understand that. But you can't lose yourself to make someone else feel better. You know, boundaries help us to show up in a relationship as the best version of ourselves so we can be the best friend possible, the best partner possible, the best parent, whatever it may be. So one thing I want you to remember when setting boundaries around teaching someone how to treat yourself is Gary Vee's understanding of kind candor. You need to be honest, but you can be kind about it. So you say, I, I know in the past I've accepted this behavior or I've said that I felt okay with this. I want you to know that I'm, I no longer feel that way. I would love to keep you um, in my life, but I need to, you know, set these boundaries A, B, and C in order to do that, in order to, for me to feel good in this relationship. I hope you understand. And then when you set boundaries, remember, you don't get to control how they respond to it or react to it or how they feel about it. It's none of your business. You only get to control the boundary you set and how you react when they either follow the boundary or try and push the boundary. That's all you have control over. It's not you controlling the other person. It's you controlling yourself. And then the last one, oh man, angry with yourself. This is hard. It's a tough one. A lot of people have that negative inner critic and it can be really painful. So for me, what I've done to, and I have so much more work to do on this. Please don't think I'm sitting here like, look at me. For me, when I have that angry inner critic or that mean, harsh inner critic, um, I start working on one thing at a time, just one thing. Um, and I'm talking small, like take your vitamins or, 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 or drink one extra glass of water that day. Start with something small. And then every time you do it, write it down. Whether you have a collection of post-it notes or a note in your phone, put the date and like, I drank my water today. And then you can go back when you're having those days that you don't feel like you want to do it or whatever and show yourself proof that you, not somebody else, not me telling you to do it, that you have done this before that you have found success in this before, you have shown up for yourself before. And you can say to yourself out loud, talk to yourself out loud, there is something so powerful about hearing your own voice celebrating yourself. So I want you to say out loud, Diana, you have drank that extra glass of water every day for three days. I am so fucking proud of you. I am so fucking proud of you. You're amazing. Let's do this. I'm serious. I know it sounds weird, but it, it matters. All right. The fourth emotion that can help us to understand that a boundary is needed is when we are scared, when there is fear. And fear is kind of a funky emotion for me. So if you, if you listen to Gabby Bernstein, um, she's a spiritual thought leader. Um, she says there is either fear or love. So you need to always come back to love. Um, and also excitement can often be masking as fear. So when people are excited or scared to start a new job or scared because they really like someone, oftentimes that's excitement that we've just mislabeled as fear. Um, 
So don't let that hinder you from moving forward with this. So some examples of how you can be scared and it can be a signal for you to set a boundary. Um, If you're uncomfortable with a person or a situation and you don't know why, or you don't have a socially acceptable explanation for it, listen to yourself. Listen to yourself. Do not do not go on a date with that person if you're like, mm, something feels wrong. Do not um, meet them for drinks. Do not give them your phone number if you're uncomfortable with it. If you have that little feeling inside and you're like, oh, this is kind of, I don't know what it is. I feel a little scared. Listen to that. I just want to say right now, that is your intuition speaking and you deserve to listen to it. If, if, You're like, oh, I'm meeting someone for drinks, but they said they'd pick me up and I don't really, I'm uncomfortable with that. Tell them, oh, I'd be happy to drive myself. I'll meet you there. Thanks. Don't get in the car with them. If it's something feels scary, if that job, if you get a job offer and something feels scary about it and not in an excitement way, don't take it. We need to start listening to ourselves. We've been told for many, many, many decades that Our intuition is wrong. We need to follow what's polite or acceptable or respectable. You need to listen to yourself. Your body knows you more than anybody else. And when you give your body a voice, it can come through and and show up for you if we allow it to. So don't accept help from someone if it doesn't feel genuine. Don't get in a car if you don't feel good. Don't take the job. Don't start the relationship. Don't do anything. What you should do is honor what your fear is telling you. Honor the voice that your fear is trying to say. Honor what it's trying to say. Because that means that you're taking care of yourself. You're keeping yourself safe. The last emotion, it's <laughs> its not really an emotion. I don't know. I texted this to my wife. She said she was at work and I was home with the kids on Sunday and she's like, hey, babe, like, how's it going? And I was like, I'm okay. Eh. And she's like, well, what does that mean? I said, I just feel mushy. <laughs> I know it's not a feeling, but that's the only way I could describe it. We had had a lazy day. My son went off to a play date. My daughter and I were binging our favorite show together while she was doing homework. And it just, not that like I had a bad time, but I just felt mushy. I felt tired, lazy, unmotivated. I had zero energy. And then paired with like a little bit of sadness, like a little bit of like, I could have done more with this day. I could have connected more. I could have, I could have felt more calm. I could have done more. And so mushy is now a new term for me and I'm sharing it with all of you. Usually when you feel mushy, it means you need a boundary with yourself. So for me, um, I recently listened to Mel Robbins episode where she talks about reverse procrastination or revenge procrastination where, you know, you're busy all day and you're doing things for other people. And then at the end of the day, you get home and you turn the TV on and you sit down and do nothing or on that day off where you could go be active or whatever, you're just, you just become a blob or you just kind of procrastinate out of revenge to yourself for everything you had to do. And that's what it was. And it made me feel like mush, like this like sludgy little pile of Diana 
that could have been more, could have had shape, it could have had form, it could have had energy. And because I decided to revenge procrastinate, I felt mushy and it sucks. So what that tells me is that I need to be more intentional with myself. I need to set a boundary with myself of, of okay, my daughter and I can connect over watching that show, but we're going to watch one episode, not five. We're not going to let Netflix just play it next. Um, it's the idea of, you know, making sure that you disappoint others before you disappoint yourself. Like I was disappointed in myself. I could have done so much more that day. And I chose not to. And I just, I chose not to act. I chose to just stay there and let it keep getting mushier and mushier and mushier. And I just, ugh. So for me, the boundaries I've realized I need to set with that is with TV or screens. You know, if we watch something great, but let's watch, watch one episode, not a bunch. Um, oftentimes, if I'm starting to feel mushy, if I just take a walk outside or take the dogs on a quick walk, so quickly can that change my mood and motivate me to do something else the next time. Um, sometimes it's food. If I eat shitty food, then I start to feel mushy. And then shitty food goes really well with sitting on the couch and binge watching Netflix. So if I put a little more effort in and make a yummy meal, something that fuels us, some good veggies or homemade, and um, that can help me to get out of the mush and form a little more what that day can look like or the state of the house or technology or whatever it is, set a boundary with yourself of, okay, I don't want to go to work on Monday and feel like I wasted yet again another weekend. Another weekend where I could have done more, I could have been more, I could have felt better, where I could have woken up on Monday and been proud of the time I spent. So for me, that looks like setting boundaries with television like last night, you know, I took to heart what Mel said and, and she, in her, in her podcast, I'll link it. You guys should totally listen to it. It's a fantastic episode, but she talks about your nightly routine where three hours before you go to bed, you should stop, you know, eating and drinking and consuming two hours before you go to bed, you should stop working. And one hour before you go to bed, you should turn off all screens, put your phone and put your phone in another room. Let people know like, Hey, I, I don't sleep with my phone by me, but the ringer's on and I'll hear it from the other room. If there's an emergency, you can call me. People don't call you at night. That's what she says. So I did that last night and my goodness, was it easier to go to bed? It felt so much better to crawl into bed knowing that like I had honored myself in those ways. I had connected with my kids. You know, we played cards and laughed and, and even getting them to bed was easier. There was less of them like, I don't want to do that or fighting it like they were more prone to have an easier night and setting that example for myself and for them setting that boundary with myself sets an example for them of a way to honor yourself and love yourself and show up for yourself and that's what boundaries do that's what boundaries do for everything so I want to hear from you guys if if any of this lands with you or makes sense to you Please let me know. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Unlearning University and DM me. Let me know your feedback, what you connected with. Um, I'd really love to hear from you guys. And just stay tuned for next week. We've got some really great episodes coming up. We've got some guests coming up. Um, and yeah, I just appreciate you guys being here. Thank you for welcoming me back 
into this podcast community. I hope to build it and grow it in a way that's authentic and beautiful for everyone that listens. So I will see you next week. Hey, thanks again for tuning into another episode of Bold Boundaries. As always, my goal is for you to find help or hope in these episodes. So if you did and you're loving the show, would you do me a favor and head over to Apple Podcasts and just give us a nice rating? It helps me produce more. It helps me reach more and just really supports the show. And I'd appreciate it. And if not, that's totally fine. Don't worry about it. But I would like to hear from you. So if you want to connect with me outside of the podcast, you can find me on Instagram. I love to engage with you guys on there. My handle is at Unlearning University. That's where I show up the most on social and I'd love to connect with you there. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you get notifications whenever I release a new episode. And I hope to see you guys soon. And don't forget this podcast is a Blue Seal Media production in partnership with Unlearning University. 